0: Hey humanoids, on today's episode of the Masked Man Show, we celebrate Ahmed Johnson's birthday! Yes, you heard that right. We're also going to talk about CM Punk and Cole Cabana's trial, Shawn Michaels' uh, return tease, plus all the biggest moments from Raw and SmackDown. Be sure to check out TheRinger.com, where we've got everything from bare-knuckle boxing to the NBA Finals, to the World Cup, to Sex and the City. We got it all. And as always, we're brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can check out Ringer FC to prep for the World Cup, as well as my other podcasts, Westworld the Recapables and Pressbox, which is on the Channel 33 podcast feed. Westworld has its own feed because it's Westworld. Be sure to subscribe to all those as a favor to me wherever you get your podcasts. And now, hit the damn music. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad Stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy.
1: This is your real WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks.
0: Hey, this is WWE Superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin
1: Owens. I have Shane Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a.
0: the Goof Raja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're, yeah, yeah, you're, to this. You're listening to. Listening
1: to and you are listening
0: to. the mask man, mask man Show. The Mask Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The mask Man the Show. The Man yeah. Show. Welcome to the Mask Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker, here as always with the smiling Big Daddy Dave Schilling. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Always good to be here. We've got nothing going on in our lives outside of <clears throat> professional wrestling right now. I think that's, we right. can, we, that's definitely true for both of us. Um, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world. Maybe not a lot. We're how well, far away from Money in the Bank, two weeks, a week and a I'm half? I'm thinking more about how far away are we from the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, SummerSlam, <laughs> right around happen. the corner. There's a lot to discuss uh, this week, but today we're going to start off with uh, the most important thing uh, that's that's happened in the wrestling world in a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happy birthday, Ahmed Johnson, Tony Norris, one of the greats of all time, and I have selected an Ahmed Johnson highlight reel at random off of YouTube that I've not watched, and Dave Schilling has not watched, Nope. and we're just going to watch it right now, and... We're going to see what we think. Is this like 20 seconds long? Uh, three minutes and 18 seconds. Oh, my God. Um, so spoiler alert for Ahmed Johnson's career. If you don't, <laughs> if you haven't caught up on him on the network yet, uh, maybe skip ahead three minutes and 18 seconds. In the mean, But if you're really into wrestling and you know everything that we do, here we go. I'm hitting play right we're gonna po- first of all, we'll post this link on yeah, the Last yeah, yeah. Mantra thing if you want to if you want to watch along. But I so find it and I'm hitting play right now. All right, a lot of good static to start this off. Ooh, shout, shout out, out to C9 to World Productions C9. for putting this highlight reel together and violating copyrights left and right. Okay. <laughs> Eighteen years ago, this is a text on the screen. Eighteen years ago, one pro wrestler broke re- records. Uh, what? King okay. of the Ring, nineteen ninety-six. He's the
1: first black guy to win the Intercontinental title.
0: That's uh, Goldberg before oh. Bill Goldberg, who's not black. No, but he was uh, the the the. Uh, he's just changing
1: his topics to here. Too fast.
0: Oh, before Batista. Yeah, I guess you're saying that he's the, a- he's the predecessor to these big men before Ryback. These like big, strong. Mostly bald men before Bobby Lashley. Yeah, but
1: what about Don Morocco? He was before Ahmed Johnson. Like, mm, too damn, hairy. Okay.
0: The first pro wrestler who brought size, power, and athleticism is Tony Norris, also known as Big T. Ahmed Johnson. Ooh. Look the, at that pump handle power bomb! The
1: Pearl River plunge was a kind of a sweet finish, even oh, though he especially when you o- take it the
0: wrong way—almost killed so many dudes doing it. Oh my gosh! He's screaming. Why is he wearing breathe right a breather? into the strip. camera? Nice power slam! Ooh,
1: that's a rock. He was throwing around the rock like a jabroni. Like a choke slam into the corner.
0: Oh, look at that athleticism! That scissor kick. Oh god, he almost broke his neck. Oh, he's slamming Yokozuna. This is. What Ahmed, song is this? It's playing
1: in the background. It's Tupac, I believe. That's Quang. Oh yeah. The uh formerly known as or, or currently known as Savio Vega. Whoa. Ooh. I'm sorry, Ahmed Johnson
0: was terrible. I loved Ahmed Johnson at the time. I did time. too, as a kid. I was really into it. Wait, who is that guy? Is Disco Inferno? <laughs> No, he had big, big dance pants on. That was not disco. Ahmed, Re- oh ooh. my god, almost killed himself. Suicide that time. dive onto Goldust. It almost ended his career. Ahmed, that is now to j- oh suicide onto oh, Jeff god. Jarrett.
1: He's landed right on the barricade. My
0: gosh, there, there's Big T. Oh, his WCW run was truly abysmal. I love these days, man. Give me. Give me Big Van Vader, Yokozuna, British Bulldog, and Ahmed Johnson era. Who is this guy that's in the Hakushi. Percy pants? Is that Hakushi? No,
1: Hakushi was bald. That's a that's just a J Brown. This is a J Brown is that and Jinko's. Matt Hardy? Matt Hardy's oh, not Hard. a J Brown. Give me maybe.
0: this era of WWE forever. I'm sure this is somebody really famous. I'm waiting for more Scissor King. He's got three uh,
1: moves here. There's this finish.
0: Amazing! Is that the Repo Man? No, it's not the Repo Man. Oh, he's going at the the uh, Disciples of Apocalypse now. What is weird? House show footage. Oh, is this Sky Sports? I don't know. I like how they. We just saw. We just saw the uh, cotton candy vendor walk across the camera. Undertaker taking it, The Rock, man. Ahmed Johnson was getting put over on everybody here. You know, Vince McMahon looked at that guy and said, "He
1: is, He's amazing. A, he is a beautiful piece of meat, yeah, and I want to, uh, I want uh, to down on that." That steak. was,
0: that was a, that was fantastic. That was so, fantastic. Thanks for the, watching along. In with the those
1: pantheon guys. of of wrestling big men, where would you put Ahmed Johnson, um, former Intercontinental not, champion? Not in top
0: three. Def- I think number four. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't know, man. He was a weird. I don't know. I wouldn't even classify him as a big man. I mean, he was a giant fellow. He's thick, but he wasn't like a tall, but he wasn't like a traditional big, big man. I even have a thing. It's weird when they, when people do big man rankings and they put the undertaker in there, I get it that the undertakers like mean Mark was a big man in a lot of ways. I always think undertaker kind of transcends that genre of wrestler. But anyway, but I'll give you undertaker. Sure. He was a big man. Um, Big man. I guess I'm thinking more like giants. Like when we're ranking, like gi- you know, absolute like the giant. Giants. Yeah, I guess we're talking about body guys here. Yeah.
1: Not that Ahmed was like an elite f- physical specimen. He was a little heavy. Well, he could have probably done some peak. more cardio.
0: At his peak, he was pretty. I mean, he had a perfect, a pretty perfect physique for wrestling. Oh my god, <laughs> you're you're drooling right now over his body. No, that's uh, not, that's because I just was at the dentist. The um, <laughs> let me transition
1: really quick before you get into what you're gonna do and ask you, is Bobby Lashley better or worse as a total package professional
0: wrestler than Ahmed Johnson? I think, I want to talk more about Ahmed, but, That's fine, you're allowed I to. think, um, it's so hard. I think Lashley's a, a better worker by a, by a smidge, but I think that, um, and Lashley certainly has a lot, has yeah, a ton of upside and and, you know, whatever. Um, that, But I think that we were just watching on that video and we were laughing along. But Bob, but Ahmed Johnson could scream into a camera and scare you. Yep. And Bobby Lashley will never be able to do that. Or at least he hasn't shown that he can do that in a compelling way. And I would take a guy who can scream into the camera and scare me and who literally can't walk <laughs> over... I mean, and I'm not talking about a high work rate, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, AJ Styles and ring competitor, but, uh, but I take that over a competent wrestler who can't scare me.
1: You know, I, I think you're right to a point. We saw maybe four or five times where Ahmed Johnson almost broke someone's neck
0: (laughs) and and his his own, his own, an equal equal opportunity, equal opportunity maimer. Um, it's amazing how hard it was for him to pull off the Pearl River plunge on some of those people. Well, when you're yanking people up by their like inverted by their arms from behind, they got to help a lot. Yep. Um, or you're going to yank their arms out of socket. Now, listen. When I grew, I grew up. Uh, most listeners know this. I grew up watching uh, Memphis wrestling when I was in Louisville, Kentucky. Would go visit the the grandparents in North Carolina and would get to see that Crockett, that sweet Crockett stuff, and thought I was like entering another galaxy. And of course, WWF all night and all day. But you know, my I, I also watched a lot of that ESPN. Was it ESPN Classic or ESPN whatever wherever they would show world class championship wrestling and AWA wrestling, just like reruns or whatever yeah, I it on espn stuff. Yeah. Just straight up ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I was really into that. But of course, it was all out of sequence. Or, you know, like I, it wasn't the, quite the same storyline wise. But I was w- when I would watch that world class stuff, I was so captivated. Freebirds and Von Erichs, like that was like real real legit like that was frightening in a way yeah so when I was in high school I moved to Texas uh to Fort Worth met Brian Curtis who I do another podcast with ringer great Brian Curtis and uh we we part I think a lot of our friendship was based on the fact that we were both wrestling fans and um when we were 16 right and he like when he got his driver's license we made the pilgrimage to the sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and it was one of the you know greatest m- moments of my life. I think the sportatorium was bulldozed pretty shortly thereafter. It didn't last that long, but the sportatorium that we went to was, I mean, it, it's a legendary spot and I wish it still existed, but man, that was a dump. It was a dump as a, but everyone will tell you it was a dump when it, in it's in the heyday of like the eighties and, and late eighties, I guess. And, and, uh, Imagine, you know, a decade later, it was even more of a dump. And um, I mean, it's like it was a barn with like no air conditioning. They might have like a window unit in the wall. And this is Texas. It's brutal. And there was, uh, you know, you parked in like a dirt lot that was covered in, you know, glass. I remember we got off the highway and it was like a like half a mile, three quarters of a mile down this one street. So right off the highway to the sportatorium, and the entire street was liquor stores and bail bondsmen. Like the entire street. Like my like like kind to the of town. Other. And uh you pull in this dirt lot and you walk in and it's fine. It's 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 it feels really cool to be in there. Um, but it's way smaller than you think than you think. Um because they did an amazing job of selling it on TV. They made it seem like it was a like a proper like, you know, the cow palace or something. It was a big arena. But it was like Two, there were, you know, there were, like, seats on a couple sides of the ring that went, I don't know, 15 rows deep, 20 rows deep. I mean, this is all hazy memory now. But, man, it looked like a full basketball arena on TV. And so we were shocked by how small it was. but It was really well lit. And none of, I mean, this is way past the Von Erichs era. There was, uh, you know, nobody, none of the w, uh, world-class legends were there to holding a town. But they were still doing wrestling. Firebreaker Chip was there. There you go. Signing glossy photos, <laughs> uh, he worked also, and uh, you know, and that was a, maybe the first time I saw people doing like the folding table autograph sesh, mm-hmm. like right after, the, like while the event was still going on. You go out to get your popcorn, and dudes are sitting there signing and taking photos for money. But there were two up and coming stars on that show, two people I'd never seen, never heard of. You know, I didn't have the fortune of having the internet to tell me about all the great indie wrestlers or up and coming, you know, pre, pre major league wrestlers that were out there. And those two guys were, uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who would go on to be known as, as JBL and, uh, Tony Norris, who would go on to be known, of course, as Ahmed Johnson. And, I saw those two guys and I was like, first of all, they're both about a foot and a half taller than everybody else working on the card and I'm just like, where is WWF right now? Like they should be snapping these guys up. And they did. And they came in around the same time I feel like and you know, they were they were they were um you know, both pot- potentially they both they both had the potential I guess to be generational stars. Now, I no one would have guessed that JBL would have been the one who achieved all that he did. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, as a child
1: growing up, thought, "Oh, Ahmed Johnson is a top oh, guy." Too, I mean, yeah, yeah he was—he's going to be the world champion one day, and that was my non-smart, uh, non—you um, know—critical cri- look at it. It was as a child looking at it from the perspective of who's the coolest-looking dude. Yeah, and Ahmed Johnson looked cool, and he did crazy things, and not knowing what really goes into a wrestling match when you're 10 years old, you think, oh man, he just did that that dive out of the ring. But now I watch that and I'm like, oh God, that looks horrible. Oh, he was not, awesome though. But he was a physical specimen and he had, like you said, an in-ring charisma that Bradshaw didn't have at the time. Like mm-hmm. Justin Hawk Bradshaw was not a great gimmick. He didn't stand out. He didn't stand out in the blackjacks. He didn't stand out until... They let him be himself. And yeah. ha- and tag with with Farouk. Yeah. That was that was what changed his career. But for a long time, it's like, man, this guy has the look. He's got the size. He just doesn't have the charisma.
0: Yeah. I mean, you gotta I mean the J- JBL's career was just it was so accidental. Yeah. Even like the acolytes were like they were just kind of thrown together and they were, you know, just muscle. He was still his hair is and his goatee dyed black. You know, I mean, it was whatever. And then they got him, let him transition to the APA. And then later we got JBL, you know, SmackDown world champion with the cowboy hat and the great entrance music and a towel around his neck. All that is to say that that could have been Tony Norris. That should have been Ahmed Johnson. (laughs) He
1: was a dangerous worker at the end of the day, and he didn't take care of himself. By the time he got to WCW at the
0: end. He was way too heavy, and he couldn't work. I remember I saw him the first time I did WrestleMania for Grantland was at, my in Miami, and I walked into the whatever the Russell Con whatever whatever it was at that point the the at the giant autograph session, and I walked headlong into Jake the Snake Roberts, but you like looked down at the end of the row, and there was like ten empty tables for some reason, so like totally on an island separate from anyone else was Tony Norris. Sitting there and he was enormous. Yeah, he's a big dude. Let me say one still scary. M- I should say one. I'd still m- pick him <laughs> over uh I'd still pick him over Bobby Lashley in my promotion. Uh, I don't know. I'm I was let kidding.
1: me say one other thing about why he didn't win the world title. He was injured a lot. Mm-hmm. He was injured very frequently. Uh, and also I yeah, he was an African American professional wrestler in the nineties. Yeah. There, was, there was not that acceptance and and who knows if there's there is now because we haven't had one in a long time um i don't know if there's that acceptance of of that person being a standard bearer sid hurt a lot of people sid was injured all the time sid tried to stab Arn anderson with a pair of scissors allegedly he is a multi-time world champion Mm -hmm. so what went wrong it must have been the injuries and it must have been just he doesn't have the look quote-unquote
0: but he had the look. I mean, I think that, I think but that he all, was black. All, all of saying. the hype. Yeah. I mean, I think all of the hype that, that went into that, uh, that, I mean, the reason we loved him because he was getting a giant push and we loved yeah. him because he was awesome and impressive looking, whatever else. But like, we were receptive to those, to all the Pavlovian, uh, gimmickry that WWF was tossing our way, right? I mean, we were, we, we, they were pushing him. They, I'm sure, wanted him to be a world champion. That's, you know, the gimmick. That's what, that's the, that's the plan with everybody. But, I mean, you're right. At some point, you're like, I can rationalize his career, him not, you know, making it to the top. There's reasons for everything. Yep. Same with, like, Bobby Lashley. Well, you know, this gimmick's not quite on. Like, what, like whatever. The first time around, there wasn't a lot of, you know, the storytelling wasn't quite there either, although we got some big pushes. And, you know, you can you can rationalize every single one. You're right. But the problem is, you know, the accumulation of facts. <laughs> you know, right. the accumulation of, in- of of examples. Yeah. Um. There's nothing on his Wikipedia page that says why he left WWF and ended up in WCW. I'm guessing it was just a things were petering out. I'm pretty sure they cut him. He got done feuding with the with with the with the um, the Nation of Domination, and they his contract went up, and I'm sure WCW offered him ten million dollars.
1: No, I mean he ended up in WCW in 2000, like 1999, he was- 99, late 99. You're right. Yeah. So that was long after he left the WWE. Oh, yeah, it was two
0: years later, basically.
1: Yeah. He oh. had two years to put on the pounds. Eat that
0: Popeyes, just like me. It's really weird. Well, I guess we'll never know what happened in those two years, or we could if we had Googled before we started the show. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could find him at an autograph session and be like, where were you, man? Uh, no, I'm too scared to ask. Okay. Um, happy birthday, Tony Norris. Uh, one interesting sidebar is that sitting next to me at that, world-class championship wrestling or that sportatorium show was a young child who would grow up to be drew mcintyre that's not true at all <laughs> but it's also drew mcintyre's birthday and we should wish him a happy one as well i mean if we have to sure we need to talk about cm punk and cold cabana we only have 15 minutes left so we should wrap this In the up. show yeah all right um that's a lie but uh we should talk about them but that was a great, but Drew, Drew McIntyre is a segue into Monday Night Raw. Should we talk, should we talk about Colton? No, let's talk, no, about, let's let's talk, talk about, about the CM trial. Yeah. Right, here we go. So CM Punk and Colt Cabana, uh, after Punk left WWE, went on Colt Cabana's podcast and told his side of the story about how everything left and ended up sort of um, maligning. I'm not using any legal terms here, so, you know, don't sue me, guys. Uh, he, was, he ended up sort of maligning Dr. Chris Amon, who's WWE's, one of their doctors. He was the ringside doctor and the night that Punk was talking about having a, a cyst in his back or whatever. And anyway, the whole story went, th- basically ended up with like, they did the podcast and then WWE and the doctor f- sued him because you have to. I mean, to like maintain your integrity, you got to contest these things when they happen. That was the, you know, conventional wisdom at the time. We finally get to trial. Um and now I mean there was some, I think we saw there was like a guy from WrestleZone who was down there covering it. Um but like the first day of testimony it was just some like random local reporter who happened to be a wrestling fan was at the courthouse and walked into the room and he was just like take tweeted some notes. Um did not get a lot of attention. Um but down at the Cook County Courthouse, um they finally had this trial. CM Punk and Colt Cabana, uh not their real names. Came out on top. It felt like the right decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you're the legal analyst here? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let me put my legal hat on. I mean, listen. There's there's like, right. there's there's various levels of this. I think it was probably dumb to go out there and putting yourself in the position to get sued.
1: I don't think that they did anything wrong, and the jury obviously found in their favor for a reason. I don't even think that they mentioned the doctor's name.
0: In the episode. Right. So I say that, like, you have to, he had, as a, you know, to, like, keep his reputation, he had to sue him. And, and, and frankly, they didn't. They could have let it. They could have let it slide. And I don't know if there's some sort of, you know, professional obligation, but he was not. I don't, as I recall, he wasn't named, and it was just everyone knew that was who they were talking about.
1: Yeah, but, that, I mean, the the wider public doesn't know. There was no financial damage to his career from this. It, it, it just seemed very frivolous. Uh, also... Uh, the wider point I want to make here is that there are so many gray areas with the way wrestlers are treated medically. Because, and Bruce Pritchard talks about this all the time on his podcast, which is great, you should listen to it, Something to Wrestle. Uh, that if they don't, if if no one tells the, the, the office that they're hurt, they won't know. Because they don't do mandatory checkups after mm-hmm. shows. They don't check for concussions with everyone. Daniel Bryan getting checked for a concussion after every match is a huge outlier in the professional wrestling world. You have to report your injuries. Um, and in this trial, it comes out that you know CM Punk had a concussion in that 2014 Royal Rumble. Yeah, which and, a lot of people
0: theorize at the time.
1: Yeah, and he refused to come out of the match. Mm-hmm. And he had to be thrown out by Kane. Um, so there's a lot of the this culture of wrestlers not wanting to stop working that it's it's better to be tough and to work through it uh again going back to to pritchard the the Bob Holly episode they were talking about how Bob Holly wrestled with a broken arm and was was still taking bumps with a yeah. broken arm that's insane to me. But that's just part of the way that the world works. So getting into this... Well, I
0: mean, but it's also part of the culture. Listen, if yeah, he, he said, they said that they tried, you know, that Punk demanded to stay in the Rumble. He said, fuck you, I'm staying in or whatever, and was acting belligerent. At various, I, mean, I think that was, the, that was the same piece of that testimony. But it's like, yeah, I mean, like, offensive linemen in the NFL, I'm sure, belligerent when you try to take them out of the game. They have a, they have a structure in which they can take them out.
1: Yeah, there needs to be that when they're concussed. I mean, structure in WWE for medical care.
0: You don't be like if someone's like wrestling with their legs chopped off, and you're like, <laughs> "We got to get you out of here," and they're like, "F you, I'm staying in." That doesn't fly, right? Right. You got to take it seriously. Yeah. So, um, so the the highlight of all of the I'm, I'm reading off of this uh, off of wait, where is this wrestlezone.com mandatory.com I can't fucking tell you don't even know where you are on the internet man you got lost I, on the internet I don't know this is weird I guess man, where WrestleZone is part of mandatory.com now C- news to me cactus jack lost on the internet yeah exactly So they talked a lot about part of Dr. uh case was that you know his his reputation was damaged and the evidence they gave were people on Twitter shit talking him and oh, listen boy. um I would like to uh formally sue my own employer for letting me ever write anything if Twitter trolls going after you are evidence of defamation and Ro- Roman Reigns should sue us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh shit, don't give me any ideas. My bad. But one of the, the 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 defense uh the one of the uh defense attorneys um defenses was that he said Punk and Cabana... I'm again, re- reading off Russell's own here. Oh, punk and cabana are not to blame for the ills of social media. Why do we care about the trolls of the world? That's a quote. Um, and then further, another quote, what is your reputation work? What is your reputation worth to the Mike Latourises of the world? Now, <laughs> um, uh, the reason why that's brought up is because when they went through all, they, when they started p- putting tweets out to the jury, there was one that said, Dr. Aman should be Aman should be fired ASAP. Uh, There's one that said, nice malpractice you, F-word. There was one that said, uh, shame on you for almost killing punk. There was one that said, uh, whatever I see, Dr. Chris Aman, it reminds me of uh, the staff misdiagnosis. Um, and then there was one that said, hashtag fire Dr. Aman. And the, the Twitter user who who sent that message was named Mike M I K E, last name latoris L I T O R I S. Hey
1: man, that's a that's a real name for sure, right? He's probably like uh, he's
0: Italian. Yeah, Mister Michael Latouris. This is like, the, I mean, the the odds of that making it into a court case are so are so minuscule. It's like every prank call that Bart Simpson made to Moe's Tavern. That how it just goes off without a hitch. Like Mo just says exactly the right thing to cue up the prank call every time. But how amazing is this? Whoever you are out there, Mister. Uh, can I have a Latoris. Mike Clitoris, please? I need Mike Clitoris looked at. Props, props, props to uh, Mike Clitoris. And 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 um,
1: <laughs> can we keep doing this
0: for the rest of the episode? We can do it forever. Cole Cabana shouted him out on Twitter too. This is maybe one of the most important things that's ever happened in wrestling. Uh, I know all of you out there love Mike Clitoris, and that's beautiful. Um, yeah, just fantastic stuff. And props, I mean, congratulations, I guess, to Punk and... To yeah, it's,
1: it's great for them that they are
0: now out of this uh, and can move on with their lives because... I think there was also a point, I don't know if this was a Twitter joke or an actual thing where someone said where they were talking about Colt Cabana's studio, like his podcasting studio, and it had to be clarified that they were not talking about a a studio. They were talking about his studio apartment, which was just sort of like one of the...
1: I'm looking for some studio apartments right now. It's not so bad, you know? No, but just that shifts. Like,
0: oh, you're a successful podcaster. You're (laughs) an international wrestling star. So let's talk about your studio. Oh, you mean studio apartment. Oh, boy. Mm. Um, You know, one other thing that that bears mention in this whole thing is I, I don't... Is that... Uh, this trial has been going on and presumably taking up a lot of, you know, Cabana and Punk's lives um, when they would probably rather be doing other things and taking up a lot of their sort of emotional headspace too. Colt, you know, would probably be wrestling a, you know, high paying indie gig. If you weren't here at this trial or whatever, CM Punk um, should literally be actively training because he has a UFC fight on Saturday.
1: Oh man, he's gonna get creamed. Not like he needs <laughs> to be
0: in the octagon. Like he's fighting at UFC 225, which is on Saturday. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's gonna get brizo. Brizzo. Um, Sorry to CM Punk if you listen.
0: I really hope you don't get beat up. But listen, if he wins trying, he's, he's fighting Mike Jackson, who is a former wrestling and MMA writer, I believe. Correct. Um, If he destroys Mike Jackson in a fight of the night sort of way, We'll never see CM Punk in WWE again. If he loses, he might have no option.
1: Man, I don't even know if we're ever going to see him again at this point. He's getting up there in years. His, his years of drawing money and, and wrestling at a high level are, are, are slim or are, are fewer than they used to be. That said, speaking of guys who want to make a comeback, it was mentioned by Shawn Michaels in an interview that he would potentially wrestle one more match if it was the right opponent in the right spot I thought we just
0: called it a career when he got his haircut a couple weeks ago. But
1: I think that was for a Marine movie. The Marine? The Marine 6. He's How? not playing the
0: Marine, though. That's How? the Miz. Okay. Before we get into Shawn Michaels, let's take a quick break to talk about eliquid.com. Eliquid.com liquidcom is the largest online direct-to-consumer seller of vaping products, which makes vape shopping easier than ever. Find every vaping product you could ever need all in one place. With over 1,800 E-Liquid hardware replacement coils, vape accessories, and DIY brands totaling over 44,000 competitively priced items in stock, you'll be all set. It's simple as that. Last night, I hopped on eliquid.com and I was blown away by the number of choices they have on there. Whether you're on your computer or smartphone, eLiquid's website has easy-to-navigate menus, descriptive product details, and helpful customer service reviews that make selecting the right products for you a breeze. And get industry-leading, amazingly fast shipping, with most orders shipping the same day when ordered by 2 p.m. Pacific time. As well as best-in-class customer service available Monday through Saturday. Whether you're looking to make a lifestyle change or just improve your shopping experience, eliquid.com has you covered. For 20% off your first purchase, visit eliquid.com slash man and use promo code man during checkout. That's eliquid, eliquid.com slash man and use promo code man during checkout for 20% off that first purchase. Okay, now back to HBK. Interesting question. How many the Marine movies can the market hold? <laughs> By the way, I saw that like Sino. I came across Sino Evil Two on like Amazon Prime. I didn't yesterday. know there was a
1: sequel to that. Is Kane still in it?
0: Oh my gosh! Amazon Prime is so thirsty for your like eighteen sequels to your bad movie. Well, I love Amazon. Prime. That's why
1: WWE keeps making them.
0: Yeah. So, what is the difference between the Marine series and like prestige television? I'm not not that it's prestige. <laughs> But like at some point, if you're making quality, at some point, if you're making like 15 movies in a series, is this really that significantly different? Are they movies now is what you're saying? They They could
1: be just considered television episodes because they're on TV uh and they're not in a theater and it's like a never ending series. But as long as they still have numbers and they're longer than, let's say, 90 minutes, but the okay. Marine movies can't be longer than 90 minutes, right? They're probably Why don't like, they they just eight, do it as
0: TV. Wouldn't that be great? The Marine, the series? And they just did a really earnest Marine series. Ernest is a Marine. Ernest goes to basic <laughs> Ernest P. Worrell. Um well, I just I totally alienated half of our audience. <laughs> that that more, than half, more than half, more than half, shilling. I right. haven't seen the analytics. So CM Punk uh, probably never coming back, maybe coming back. We'll always hope that he's coming back. Shawn Michaels. The worst thing about the Shawn Michaels saying that and I resent him for this, is that now every fan feels validated in chanting one more match for the last 10 years. Yeah. Now they're just going to chant louder. Can we ever just let them go away? No, that's part of wrestling. One more match
1: after the last one
0: more if match. If they keep coming back on the TV, extrinsic. then the people are going to keep chanting at them. That's how wrestling works.
1: Friggin' Terry Funk's been retired 27 times. It's crazy. Yeah. Rick Flair retired three or four times. I was talking about that today. If he could still take bumps, he would. Right now, it's just it's too much. I don't even like watching Kurt Angle wrestle right now.
0: Of course not. I mean, he isn't yeah? Um, how old is HPK? I'm going to tell you right now. Thanks. He's 52.
1: Ooh, that's too old. Um, let him go. Let him let that last match with the Undertaker go down in history. Stop spoiling your legacy. The Undertaker should have retired after the Roman Reigns match. I didn't want to see the Cena thing. It was a cute little moment for the show, but totally extraneous. So,
0: Rick, he's basically at the same age that Flair was when, if I'm doing my math correctly, when Flair was running the WWF owner angle. When he was, I don't know if he was officially retired, but functionally retired. He had, yeah, he didn't have a retirement match. I mean, he had his, his match in the t shirt on the last Nitro. But but then that was pre evolution. So in theory, if we want to if we want to use Flair as the model, um, Sean has an evolution run left in him. No, I mean I wouldn't
1: mind seeing. Actually, no, I take that back. I almost said oh, I wouldn't mind seeing Sean Michaels lead like a new DX, and then I realized that would be super duper lame, and we don't need that. Should they call it DY. <laughs> Uh, the great thing about Evolution is yes, it was functionally a ripoff of The Four Horsemen, but it had a slightly different aesthetic, a different name you didn't have the pressure of, oh, we gotta make it as good as The Four Horsemen it was just, this is like The Four Horsemen but different and that's, that was what was appealing about it, so I don't think I want to see Shawn Michaels try to recreate DX in the, in the role of a, a ravishing Rick Rude when Rude was in DX, holding a briefcase and doing nothing
0: um, what was it t- t- what was the TNA faction fortune yeah and no, I was thinking about the main event mafia um, what was the millionaires club that was, oh, that WCW. was WCW. the millionaires club and the new blood Ooh, May- where, maybe, we're really going through all the worst angles maybe yeah, I was, no, I'm, I'm just trying to come up with a bad pun since we already have DX then maybe Shawn Michaels should put together like the millennials club no 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 no, no. I got it I got it it's an
1: all women's faction called she x she
0: generation <laughs> oh. x no yes Kim, stop recording the show we're, we're canceling generation the show. x um, <laughs> that was fantastic Break it down yeah no that would be really good i know it would be fun to see sean maybe i mean like who would be who would if sean came back as a new evolution style sta- uh, as the flair in a new evolution style stable who would you like to be his batista as like the guy who like you know is working tag matches with him so Sean can go out and pop the crowd. So the so a big guy doesn't no, have to no, it be a big anybody. Who who would he be who would be Sean's ideal tag Ooh. team partner? And See, you think Sean's a, main thing is Sean's going to get beat up a little bit and like super kicked in the match, and that's it.
1: This is a fantastic question because there's a lot of factors that are at play when you make
0: a decision like this.
1: I guess here, here's, here's who looks good next to him, but who also is.
0: Is not exactly like him because it I will, couldn't be Dolph yes, Ziggler. I will put. Let, let me give you this criteria. It has to be somebody sort of green that it that he needs. The partner needs to be in a tag team for the time being. That's. A, I don't care if it's big or small or what. But Batista needed to be brought along, and Flair helped him. Flair was that for him. Give. He's got the charisma, and he. You know, he's good. He's. We he just needs like some exposure, but he also needs some reps. I got it. Who is it? Ethan Carter III, EC three. Ooh, that's interesting. EC three. I mean, he doesn't oh. really need the reps. He's he's a established dude. But I, but, yeah, I but do he does like need the that. reps
1: on the main roster. It's yeah. different. It's a different beast, and we've seen that play out every time people get called up. Yeah. Or this might be a problem because of a size issue. Adam Cole. How will Adam Cole look standing next to Shawn Michaels? Mm, is really the question. See. But then they're too similar. Adam Cole is doing a new age Shawn Michaels gimmick already in a a way. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want someone who's slightly different than him. That was what was great about Batista and Flair is they were in the same faction, but they couldn't look anything alike. They were the most different two people you could ever put in the ring together.
0: That's Yeah. Tag
1: teams like that often work better than two guys who look exactly the same.
0: It's true. It's true. I, I, I'm trying to think of who down in NXT would be good for this. I mean, <coughs> there are some sort of bigger dudes who need a little, like Oni Lorcan. I like a lot. Not that I mean, these aren't guys with nothing to do. You'd have to pick some. They're all they're all being used. You're well. saying you want another Diesel? No, nah, I'm just trying to think of who would like fit that Baron Corbin. Mm, that's actually, he kind of needs to be a tag team. Speaking of Baron Corbin, they got was... similar hairstyles. <laughs> that could be the say. That could be a whole thing. <laughs> he was all over Raw last week. I know. This let's, week. Get, let's talk about Rob. Um, I think that the answer is not a. a, a, a uh, legacy redux you just got to do sean and daniel bryan as like a super friends tag team for like a two-month run and That'd let it go off in the sunset or
1: let them work at
0: wrestlemania yeah they are they're a tag team and then they work at WrestleMania. one
1: question before we move on to raw and Smackdown. easy
0: easy peasy make it happen wwe let's
1: let's say you have a choice for sean michaels comeback match uh-huh. aj styles or daniel bryan who would you rather see Shawn Michaels work with? And Sean, this is your fault that we're having this conversation. If you just kept your mouth shut and stayed
0: retired, this wouldn't be happening. Um I would pick Shane McMahon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think great answer. Uh it's a toss up. I think Daniel Bryan, just because they have the history, I think I think AJ would be a better match by it by a hair. I would rather see AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels. AJ is definitely the spiritual successor to Sean. Exactly. Much more so than Daniel is, but come on. And I'm also working under the assumption here that they're going to find a way to screw Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania again, and this is by far the best case scenario for
1: (laughs) Yeah, if he just continues to work these high-profile matches with older guys or Shane McMahon or whatever, people maybe
0: won't be upset that he's not in the title match. Um, we do have to talk about what happened on WWE television this week, despite all the fun that we're having. Um, okay. Yeah. What do you like to say about Raw and SmackDown? Let's talk, let's talk about your boy Baron Corbin. Yeah, let's talk about He's him. He's the new, uh, what is his role? The commissioner? He's a constable. the constable. The constable. He's laying down the law on Raw. Do you think that they have like, are they just using like com to come up with different, when they have to come with new th- authority figures? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, where did they get the the name Absolution?
1: When it had nothing to do with their gimmick. Hmm.
0: I wonder if there's like a staffer, if it's like Fink is back there and he knows every word. So he's just like (laughs) spitting stuff out, you know? He's like, he does the thesaurus word of the day. He has a calendar, yeah. yeah. Um, Absolution, ladies and gentlemen. So we have a new uh, constable on Raw. I don't really understand how... Is this similar to the role of sheriff of Raw? Yes, that's why that's what I was thinking. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you would say that I mean, Baron Corbin now is basically where Stone Cold Steve Austin was <laughs> at his peak. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. You know what have made you broke this, me. You know what would have made this whole thing so much better? Yeah. You know, is if Steph hadn't appeared on Raw when was she on? How many weeks ago was this? One week, two weeks, it four t- weeks? I don't two, know. Two two weeks. She should have never come on and validated Kevin Owens because it doesn't make sense that she's also on Baron Corbin's side. Like, why on earth would you care about Baron Corbin? Why does Stephanie McMahon
1: allowing Kevin Owens, who beat up her dad, to have a job? But that, the none only, of that makes sense. The, only,
0: the best payoff to this, when Kevin Owens started it, was that, like, it just keeps going, and three or four or six months from now, it's revealed that Stephanie McMahon, that, like, Stephanie McMahon is Kevin Owens talking in a lady voice uh, in another room, right? Like he like got, if he got Kurt Angle's phone we and voice swapped changer? out the phone numbers. And then so every time Kurt's like trying to call Stephanie to get permission, it's Kevin Owens or like Kevin Owens hired an actor who's just like, no, make Kevin Owens the new champion that's almost a good good angle that's what i mean it's the only only way that it makes sense and it also makes sense for the baron corbin thing too because otherwise it's nonsense does that imply that stephanie mcmahon when she is not at the show doesn't watch raw um i think it's assumed that nobody watches wwe programming (laughs) when they're not on tv not because it's bad but because people always show up and they're surprised right didn't that just happen this week that somebody found out something that happened on raw last week yeah probably. I was I made a joke to myself watching the show. I feel like maybe that was smackdown. Um but yeah, people are always finding out things that happened on Raw by watching the jumbotron two weeks later. yeah, you're right, uh, you're right. anyway, um, so we have a new constable, although <laughs> that only really mattered in so much as he helped or he he got Kurt Hawkins disqualified, right? Mhm, so. I'm not mad if Baron Corbin is now feuding with Kurt Hawkins. That's fine. Give him the constable gimmick. That's okay. But that's, you know, he doesn't, we don't need to shoehorn him into the main event.
1: It's such a strange thing, Baron Corbin's push or lack thereof or whatever is going on with him. It's, it's, it's just weird to see someone who was so close to the top who's now
0: hanging out with. He was Kurt, never that close. It was Kurt, artificial. But anyway. He won the
1: money in the bank contract. He was a US champion. He was wrestling with AJ Styles. Yeah, but, he, but
0: did you ever like him? No, but he, did he ever react did he get a reaction out of the crowd outside of like abject like hatred and it's, boredom?
1: It's just interesting that he was up, you know, in the upper mid card and has now dropped down to you know lower card. Maybe I enjoyed on show. It
0: more on Monday night than I have in a long time. But so give I'll him something to that. do. But yeah. Jinder Mahal World champion, arguably great parallel,
1: similar issues, and he's working with the big dog.
0: Right. Well, the dance partner says a lot about the person we're talking about. The, so, anyway, I mean, I think in it's reverse, it's more of like I can't believe Roman Reigns is working gender, but I think that's a good idea. You bri- you like just like it's a good idea to pair Corbin with Kurt Hawkins because it's sort of fans are still going to be upset. Certain fans are still going to be upset, but at least it's like. It's much better than pushing him into the main event. Yeah, he can And just like with Roman Reigns, if you're going to, if we're, I mean, let Roman Reigns work. It doesn't, if they might put the sh- that match on last, who the hell knows? But like, he's working a non title match with Jinder Mahal. Let's be, let's be content with that. It's better he, than him winning money in the bank. Also, he got a pretty good response coming out for the save. Um, yeah, when they did, when they did give him Seth Rollins Heat version 2.0. Yep. I mean, version 100, but like in two, twice in three weeks or whatever. They, um, yeah, he actually got a really good pop. He made the save. That's a great way to use him. Good job, uh, Ginger Mahal and Elias. Sort of a weird tag team, but man, sometimes we look at these wrestlers in the and the pops that they get, and you're just and and you realize there's a moment. You know, where you're just like, oh, this guy's gonna be big. It happens less so with feuds, although you know, we always bring up the Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt stare down when the Wyatt family and the Shield were in the ring that first time. People really are really stoked for Seth Rollins and Elias fighting each other.
1: Yeah, it's people interesting. really
0: like it when those two guys fight.
1: Is it because they look so similar?
0: Yeah, I mean, if this were if this were Memphis when I was growing up, this would definitely end in a like beard versus beard match or like yep. a, somebody somebody has to get somebody has to get like a blonde beehive match, <laughs> wear a dress, yeah, those sorts of things. You got to yeah, but um. But yeah, I, I mean, they, they do look alike. Uh, but I think it's just a feeling that like we're seeing the future.
1: Elias is is being booked very well, and the, the fans are responding to someone being in the right position at the right time and working with the right person. Totally, that's agree. what happens. That's what happens when you listen to the crowd. You
0: you look at the at the the roster and say these two people will work
1: well together.
0: Speaking of being in the right position at the right time, uh, the opposite of that seems to be Sammy Zayn and, and Bobby Lashley. Uh, Sammy's doing all that he can, although I still feel like that's a little bit of a, we love Sammy, so we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. No,
1: I think he's doing a good job performing the material. Assuming
0: he has nothing to do with the creative process or his decision to be in this storyline. He's with Bobby Lashley. I'm sure he has no say in the matter. I'm sure it's all Vince McMahon. Do you think that they used the phrase stolen valor when they were pitching this week's script? Someone did. Yeah. Um Yeah. It's
1: very weird. It's very weird that they're mixing in all of this this uh military iconography and and questions of of who are you and that kind of stuff with someone who is a Canadian Muslim? Yeah, it's fine. Who might? It's just whatever. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a, a it's dumb storyline. It's a dog whistle, but it's a very, very faint dog whistle. It's almost there, but it's not quite
0: there. Do you think if they mentioned stolen valor, then Vince McMahon was like Valor? Isn't he in the main event with Kevin Finn Owens? Finn Valor. <laughs> you thought that He's so you thought his name was Finn Valor all along. <laughs> um, Who stole him? Uh,
1: that would be a good, sh- good, good gimmick. Good, good feud. Who stole Finn Valor? Someone um, put him in his pocket and walked stolen away. Ba-
0: stolen Balor uh, <laughs> beat Kevin Owens via DQ and then gave him the big coup de gras, sort of... Off the ladder. Yeah, that was a whole lot of like the setup was awesome. The fact that it was awesome, he had to protect him so much to make that work. It didn't quite go off like they wanted to. Maybe they're selling the real, the real one for the pay-per-view. This is why Jim hates
1: that move so much because you have to protect them to such an insane degree that it doesn't always look that painful.
0: Yeah, let's get Davey Richards in here to really stomp people in the chest and try to kill them. That's the way to do that move. (laughs) He did it right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Of course. Braun Strowman broke a ladder. Uh, Nia Jax um, made Ronda Rousey and and Natalia upset. Is there any of this that we need to talk (laughs) about? Someone
1: someone on Twitter asked if we think that Nia Jax is back to being a babyface or not.
0: I would say no. I think she should be in herself. She's just being herself. Yep. The most heal- I, thats a, i mean—that match was pretty good. in that the Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey is like the real life, like the shoot version of Charlotte Flair, where she just is really good on pay-per-views and loses all the other all the rest of the time. You know? Yeah. Um, she she somehow like stumbling over lines again and like just not like well, she be, didn't doing to, the weird. I'm not. I forget if I'm acting or not. thing. She didn't have to cut
1: a promo at WrestleMania, dude. No, I know. That's the thing. she's going to
0: be great. We I love her. Uh, They need to limit the amount of time that she's on the mic. I don't know why they're putting her in like a personality storyline. Like, it just seems like, like, why are you not? How did you not learn your lesson? Anyway, I don't want to complain too much. I will say that despite all of that, heel or baby face, it doesn't matter. Naya's just being Naya. But but I just wanted to make sure she's okay. Asking over and over again is like a really compelling heel move. You know, that's like in in your day to day life, there's nothing more irritating than the person who's just like, hey, I'm just asking. Hey, I'm just asking the questions like I'm just standing really close to you to talk to you for like, wait, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing here. You know, like I haven't touched you yet. Yeah. yeah it's patronizing and it's, annoying. It's great. Most importantly from Raw, I think the biggest moment was that the B team. Won a tag team battle royal. Drew McIntyre. Happy birthday, Drew. He and Ziggler did not win. They got quickly eliminated, and then they came in and beat everybody up, and then they, I don't know. What's going on with the tag team division? Here's what's going on. Here's my theory. They got about halfway to money in the bank, and they realized there was some stuff they had planned that they wanted to save for, like, SummerSlam. Mm, So these are just placeholder Or or they decided the card was too stacked, and they're like, well, we're giving you Roman gender... Or whatever. We're giving you AJ, Shinsuke. We don't need to give you everything down the line at one show. Something's got to be on the pre-show, brother. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's my theory. Who knows? Okay, SmackDown. Um, Speaking of money matches, it could be WrestleMania matches. Carmella and Asuka. Um, I mean, they're actually booking this pretty well. I'm, I'm not going to hate on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, sh- uh, Carmella's
0: playing a, a great cowardly heel. Asuka is uh two people B two people that was a great that was i mean say what you will about the match it was pretty fun but the but she she sold exactly right that like the amount of uh the amount that she could just like squash but also look like it took a lot out of her i i, I was just really impressed by that um a shocking turn uh carl anderson defeated luke harper who by the way that before he what's the wwe video um before they were stars, is that what it's called? No, it's like AKA. Oh yeah, it's whatever. I, I forget is. what it's
1: called, but oh, that was so good. It's about all the different characters that WWE superstars have portrayed it's before. Just like
0: a, they're like a little mini bio. Yeah. Oh man, that I, was fantastic. I saw the
1: Seth Rollins one, and he, you know, they go to take they go to um, Davenport, Iowa, and they follow him around, and and go to the weird bar where he had his his first matches, and it's just it's really good stuff that. Should it's, be on the network. I don't know why it's not, but these things are all available just, on YouTube. They could
0: just stretch it out. It's formerly known as is the name of the series. Right. If you just Google like Luke Harper WWE before or formerly, you'll find this very easily. Definitely worth your time. It has him going back to like all the gyms he used to wrestle in, and oh man, Bef- you see him before he had the beard. He's a little beefier, and his name was Brody Lee. Spoiler alert: It had nothing to do with Bruiser Brody. Why would it? I did because he looks like Bruiser Brody. I just assumed that was it. Mm, no, I mean that he be he was named Brody Lee because without the beard, he looks like Jason Lee, the skateboarder turned actor, <laughs> and his character in Mallrats was Brody. So they got Brody from that and Lee from his real name. That's why his name is Brody Lee. That is goofy as hell. That is my favorite wrestler backstory. Disappointing, but still captivating. Um. Anyway, back to SmackDown. Uh, he lost on a roll up. This is one of those matches where it's like they could have given us a bigger tag team match on that side too and they're kind of just like going to give the... And they give Carl Anderson... Brothers. Yeah, they give him a win so it makes it seem like maybe they can win a match that will probably be a squash. Becky squash. Lynch over Charlotte via Disarmor. Big Interesting surprise. move. The the my, For some reason, this is one of those things where like I don't know if I'm right or wrong but I had immediately second-guessed the booking. I would have had Charlotte tap the second it was locked in to be... To one... On the one hand, it like sort of acknowledges that like she knows the move is gonna be the end but also i'm not giving becky the satisfaction of really making me tap it's Mm. just sort of like it's like if you're playing like 21 and and your buddy's up five you mean at the end and it's like 20 to 15 you're just like okay man you win you walk off but like he you're, you're taking away you're stealing his valor. You're <laughs> taking away the like the sweet taste of success. Jim,
1: I think we have the title of the episode: "Stolen Valor." Um, uh, it's like unplugging the 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 video, video game terminal. Yes, yes. It's like oh. that's what I would have done.
0: Let but let her treat it like I'm doing this as a friend. Oh, I respect your move. I don't want, want to get hurt ha- because I've got the match coming. Up. Yeah, but but really, it's just like I'm not giving you the satisfaction. That's a heel move, number one. No, but, they're, but they're, and we're putting the heat them goes to Charlotte. It doesn't go to Becky. Charlotte's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Okay. All right. Um, we're we're teasing this thing out. Uh, A couple of... I mean, the New Day versus Miz, Samoa Joe, and Rusev, um, I like... That just felt like a good, you know, six-man tag of the, you know, Ahmed Johnson era, maybe. I was really into it. <laughs> you get one of those every week now on SmackDown Here's what, what I really... There's two things we need to talk about because I want to talk about staging. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura had their contract signing backstage. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Before, I want to hear what you think about that. Also, Big Cass was interviewed... Um, and basically, uh, on what, ochre what did, what they, Oh, Okra land. That's what they used to call it. That was the, like the, the WWF term back in the day, the little, the island in the crowd, right? Yeah. That was basically where it was. Am I yeah. crazy?
1: Yeah. They would, they would do those. I remember it was like around ninety, ninety one, ninety two. 92 yeah. them. They were doing those. Uh, my, one of my, my best memories of that is when the Legion of Doom came back at, uh, I want to say it was at SummerSlam, like SummerSlam 90, 91, where they came back with Paul Ellering and the puppet. I think Rocco was there at that
0: point, uh-huh. and they did it in that little island. Yeah, so Renee Young is out there, right, interviewing. Uh, I think it's great. Interviewing Big cast. I liked it as the look. Now, I have one objection, not for the point of this conversation, but I have to say this. The WWE.com, whatever exclusive video that they had of Daniel Bryan replying to Big Cass's promo was 8 million times better than Big Cass's promo. And I don't understand why you don't put that on TV. Um, T- timing. Yeah. And I know you got to put Big Cass over or whatever, but like give them like, you can have two different interviews. It's okay, you know? Anyway. So what did you think about the contract signing being backstage for the first time since Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant? I don't know if that's true. I'm sure there are other ones. And and what did you think? But you, you liked Okerland. You liked the return of that. And I loved the backstage.
1: I thought that was fantastic. Okay. Two Two things that break up the monotony of how the show looks. One of the reasons why I fast forward and one of the reasons why I get kind of bored watching the show
0: is, it's because it all, it's all the same. It's all, you know another.
1: the beats. You know how yeah, it's going it to look. It you was know good. It had handles. a little bit of a
0: different film quality. I like that they're trying different stuff out. I don't know if there was a practical reason why they did it, but I liked AJ kind of getting pissed and slapping Nakamura. And I like Nakamura just toying with him. The pin was just a misdirection. Like, I don't know. It was it's great. It's still
1: more compelling, even though it's not in front of the crowd, because it's cinematic, because it's different. It makes it feel
0: bigger. Um you're uh you said you were looking at um, at um apartments earlier I'm doing the same thing at this time of year. Do you think uh this just made me think of this. Do you think that uh an e-signature is sufficient for a WWE match contract in 2018? Yeah, you can use a DocuSign for can that. I, can I can I just get like open the PDF uh, and like insert my, my name?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um the name on the contract says McMahon, yeah, but it says Shane McMahon <laughs> via DocuSign. <laughs> um,
0: that was cool. I, I'm not. I'm still. I'm still weird about big Cass. I'm still. I'm. I'm not. I feel. I. I appreciate that they're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that they're putting him in the suit and letting him be a little bit goofy because it's not what you would expect. Um, I'm still not quite there. I kind of thought. You give him a few months feuding with Daniel Bryan, he might find himself. We'll, it's we'll, been a we'll, few months. We'll give him another month. I no, know, I know. That's what I'm saying. We're not. It didn't happen yet. He's anyway. got to win a match. <laughs> you can't be a monster
1: if you keep losing. I don't know.
0: I don't know, man. Um, I'm looking right now. There's some indication of WW, a former WWE guy. I don't know uh, that, that this Daniel Bryan, WWE.com exclusive video that I mentioned was probably improv, as most of those things are. You help him a little bit, but there's no writing team. It's like maybe the .dot comers will give you a little shove, but D- but DB always is I mean, I don't. Ha- I hate being that guy, but like compare the scripted cast promo to Daniel Bryan just spending thirty seconds thinking and, and then riffing. Yes, Daniel Bryan can do that. You
1: no, know, I mean, everybody Big, can't do that. Yeah, can Big Cass has a question? We don't know, but because we haven't given him the opportunity
0: to do it. I will say that. I know Vince hates last names full stop, but like, you know, you got to have these easy, like, Big Cass works better on a t-shirt than, I mean, Colin Cassidy is a trash wrestler name, but like, you know, then a first name, last name, whatever. But it's the the, the only, like, the weakest part of that Daniel O'Brien promo was having to say Big Cass over and over again. Yeah, you just call him Cass. Or just call him like Cassie baby, like, you just needle him a little Cassie bit. Cassie boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, y- a lot of times the the last name gets taken away, the first name is
0: taken away, and it feels it's hard to weird. write about. You know this because you're a writer too. Uh-huh. When you're writing about Daniel Bryan, for instance, um or when you're writing about I'm trying to think of a good example. When you're writing about Roman Reigns, it's really great because as you're repeating his name over and over again in a column, you can say Roman and the next sentence, you can say "reigns," and then the third sentence, you can say "the big dog" in quotes. Yeah, you don't. You, it's, it, there's no monotony there, but there are some wrestlers
1: where you take that extra name away and it works better. Like I would never go back to Elias Samson.
0: Yeah, I Elias can kind of see that. And also, well, and, and as a good. writer, it's confusing just to have Samson sitting out there for whatever reason by its on an island by itself. But you know, at least with Undertaker, you can go Taker. You, you can do the Undertaker in one sense, Taker in the next time it comes up. You yeah. know. It's tough as a writer, and it's tough cutting a promo because you have to say big cast over and over again, or even just cast. You need a little variation. I agree. Speaking of variation, go do something else with your lives, nerds. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Stop harassing
1: Star Wars directors and actors on Twitter. What? You didn't hear about that? Oh, are you involved in this? No, no, no. that no. oh,
0: okay. I just, that, that's I, I, just
1: I just, it, I was thinking about it because of the Dr. Amon, CM Punk, Colt Cabana thing, trolls man y'all you all gotta stop stop trolling it's bad for you
0: it is bad for you no more
1: trolling leave that poor doctor alone leave ryan johnson alone yeah if you find yourself leave if you find yourself
0: being mean to someone on twitter or on any social media or anywhere online because what you think it's funny you want to get their attention i mean we have people i have people tweet at me all the time i mean i don't go on twitter i don't read my replies that much but or my mentions that much but We've all had the experience of people who were just like, Shoemaker, you suck. And then you reply and you're just like, dude, what did I do to make you mad? And they're just like, LOL, just like, try, just like it's so good that you wrote back to me. I'm a big fan. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate <laughs> you know, it. Like, no, you, you didn't validate that. But that was terrible. Why would you do that?
1: I will always respond to a compliment. I will never respond to something mean. Yeah, if you find yourself doing that, just like, think about your, why are you doing That's that? That's why I'm constantly you... complimenting Nia Jax on Twitter.
0: <laughs> anyway... Compliments to Nia Jax. Apologies <laughs> to Dean Ambrose. <laughs> there you go. Happy birthday, Drew McIntyre and Ahmed Johnson. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. Shoemaker, you suck. Go do something else with your lives, nerds.